Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. I have the best job in the world because I get to pastor the best people in the world, man. You guys are amazing. I get humbled sitting here worshiping, hearing y'all worship. I remember when it was like 15 of us. I remember when we couldn't get a band and we, Zach played Cajon. He was terrible, but he just hit the, hit the box. <laughs> and it's, it's cool to see what God's doing. Um, I'm not going to be long today. I'm really not even preaching a whole message, um, but I'm glad you're here. And I also on nights like this, I'm aware that you might not be super sure about being here. Um, maybe today you came because you heard about some giveaways or you came because you heard there were games or because you got invited by a friend. Um, but maybe if you're honest, you might not necessarily feel super comfortable in church. And that's okay. I'm not even saying you don't believe in Jesus. You might believe in Jesus, but maybe the truth is in your heart, you're a little uncomfortable in church because you don't really behave the way that Christians are supposed to behave. Um, so you're not super into the whole Christian Jesus stuff. And I kind of want to talk about that today for literally 10 minutes. I always say 10 minutes and then people, Jeremiah Davis is like, you never 10 minutes. Today's actually 10 minutes, okay? Well, we'll see, 12, okay? Um, everybody say behavior. See, it's funny talking about how like, eh, I don't know about the whole Christianity thing because I don't feel like my behavior really lives up to it. And what's funny is a lot of people feel like this. And I think unchurched people don't always know that really good Christians feel like this. Even really good Christians feel like, man, my behavior is not where it should be. And to prove this point, I want to talk to y'all about one of the most well-known Christians who've ever felt like this. Uh, his name was Paul. You know, I hate feeling like I'm preaching by myself. Y'all aren't here to hear me talk. We're here to talk together. Everybody say Paul. Okay. Paul was a beast. I mean, he wrote a lot of the New Testament he planted many churches. He was a mentor to people. God used him to do signs and wonders and miracles. He's amazing. If anybody was like a super Christian, right? It was Paul. Yeah, I need you to read with me. You got the underlined part. I need you to read with me Paul's very own words in Romans 7:15. He, super Christian Paul, said this. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I have you ever felt like this? Yes, I have. I feel like this a lot. I know the right things to do. I want to do them in my heart. I want to be a good person. So maybe that means I shouldn't lie or something, you know, but when the pressure's on, I still lie. I want to be a loving pastor, right? Pastor Jeffrey. But if I'm stressed enough, I could still be rude. And maybe you feel like this in your own way, in your own sort of Thing, like you want to do the right thing, but it doesn't always happen. Maybe you want to forgive somebody, but deep down, like something bad happens and you're still like a little happy, like, yes, happened to them, right? Maybe you want to be a good kid and be, you know, good relationship with your parents, but it takes very little for you to get mad at them or very little for you to step into being disrespectful to them. I guess what I'm saying is deep down, we all want to do the right thing. And yet many of us have, I don't know, all of us have thoughts that if everyone could hear or actions that if everybody could see, we'd be a little bit humiliated. And eventually what happens when we have lives like this is one of two things. You either stop trying to be a Christian because like, nah, forget it, man. And you don't want to be a hypocrite. Or 
You keep trying to please God, but you're focused on how your behavior never really adds up and it gets tiring and you feel fake and you feel miserable. And this is not me speculating. This is exactly how the apostle Paul felt. The one who I just read, I hate what I do. I want to do right, but I don't do it. He says this in Romans 7, 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Now, if you come regularly to YA, which is most of you, we're in a series right now talking about salvation. And every uh, message title has had a question to it. And I'll finish it next week. Today's just a little snippet um, that we'll really dive into next week. But here's the question today. It's a question I think the Apostle Paul asked. It's a question that you and I probably ask if we've given our life to Jesus. And it's right here. If I'm saved, why do I constantly fail? Everybody say, if I'm saved, why do I fail? So I want to talk real quick about how Paul dealt with his bad behavior how Paul dealt with his shortcomings because he learned something that you and I really need to learn if we're gonna live for Jesus and live for him strongly through our good seasons and our bad seasons. See, if you go just a few verses earlier in this chapter, Romans chapter seven, Paul starts talking about the law, specifically the 10 commandments. Now, you gotta know some backstory about Paul. Before Paul was a Christian, he was a Pharisee. And Pharisees took a lot of pride in following the whole law, especially the Ten Commandments, right? But Paul starts talking about how one particular commandment really showed him how jacked up he was. And nobody would think he was jacked up. Like he was, he was really good by most standards, but there was one commandment. I don't know if you, who's heard of the Ten Commandments? Oh, perfect. Proud of you. Who can say all the Ten Commandments? I'm very proud of you. It's because you're Catholic. All right. It is. CCD, baby. Here you are. Hey, I'm going to put them all up, okay? They're on the screen. Are they on the screen, Ten Commandments? Okay, so number one, you should have no other gods. Number two, don't make idols. Number three, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath. Number five, honor your parents. Number six, stop killing people. Number seven, stop sleeping with people's wives. Number eight, don't take things that aren't yours. Number nine, don't lie. And number 10, don't covet. Paul did the first nine real easy. Mm, great, great score. But he starts talking about the 10th one, coveting. Everybody say covet. Covet is, you probably know this, but it's wanting something that's not yours. And this Paul, this command, Paul says, man, this one got him. But there's something different about this command than all the other nine. So you got to think about it. All the other nine commandments, I can kind of see if you're doing them or not. Can you put them up again? Nope, that's me. Okay, number one, I can see if you're making idols. Actually, I don't have it on here. I can see if you're uh, having other gods. I can see if you're taking the names Lord in vain. No, I didn't say that right, but you know what I meant. I can see if you're keeping the Sabbath, honoring your father. I can see that. Uh, not murdering. I can see if you're killing somebody. I can see if you're committing adultery. Don't want to, though. I can see... I can... Why y'all snorted? I could, one day I could see if you're lying, but can I see if you're coveting? I can't see that one. See, all the other nine happen out here, 
But the one that really jacked Paul up, coveting, that one doesn't happen out here. That one happens in here. And Paul was shook to his core when he realized, wait, even if I could get on top of doing all the right stuff, how do I get to the point where I'm no longer even wanting the wrong things? And see, he realized that the problem was not primarily his behavior. The problem was primarily his heart. See, the Old Testament, even from the beginning, it points to not needing just better behavior, but needing a new heart. That's our problem too. Paul's like, God, what do you want from me? And he'd learned God's answer. God didn't want to change Paul's behavior. God really wanted to change Paul's heart. And a lot of people get into Christianity because they want to be better. Um, well, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to, and I, I don't really have time to completely explain this, but if you just want to be better, Christianity's not really for you because God doesn't want to make you better. God wants to make you new. There's a difference. God wants to do something in the inside of you to where you don't even recognize yourself because you're not even desiring the things that you used to desire. And there's a, there's a way that he does this, and that's what we're talking about in the series, but he wants you to look at yourself over time and, and start saying things like, man, I don't even crave, you know, the sins I used to crave. Or I don't even, you know, crave the self-promotion I used to crave. I don't even crave the whatever, fill in the blank. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, meaning the old me is dead, but it's God or Christ who lives in me. So kind of creating a problem for you because maybe you're like, okay, I hear you, right? I hear you, Pastor G. God doesn't just want to change my behavior, but he wants to change my heart. He wants to actually do something. So I desire new things, but that begs the question, like, how does he do that? What's the solution? Here's our solution. Our solution is typically, well, maybe I could just follow the rules better. Because if I follow the rules better, maybe I'll be closer to God and then maybe his love will start to transform me. Here's the problem with that. Rules don't change your heart. Everybody say rules don't change your heart. Paul even says this. Paul said, I brought a mirror. Never seen a bad looking mirror. Okay. Uh, Paul said that the rules, the law, I'm sorry, they were like a mirror. They showed him what was wrong, but a mirror can only show you what's wrong. A mirror can't fix what's wrong. For instance, for instance, if I go into the mirror and I see my hair is a problem, it's all jacked up, well, that's great. The mirror can show me that there's a problem, but if I'm actually gonna fix, to the, pro fix the problem, I need something that will get to the root of it. Root, I didn't mean it like that, but it's a pun. I need something that actually gets to the heart of the problem. So Paul looked into the law, looked into the rules, looked into the, all the behavior, and he saw, dang, there is a problem much deeper than my behavior. There is a problem in my heart. But guess what? The law could not fix his heart. The rules can never fix your heart. So what can? Well, here's his answer. He says it in Romans 7, 24 through 25a. He says, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, there've been times where I don't like Christianity, but there's never been a time where I don't love Jesus. There've been times where Christians misrepresent him. At one point, Christians justified slavery with the Bible. At one point, I mean, people, you know, Christians mess stuff up. 
And I get sometimes why people don't like Christianity, but if you really know Jesus, there's no way you can't fall in love with him. And it's the way that you love Jesus that actually changes your heart. So let me explain that a little bit. I just talked about this Sunday, but Jesus died for you way before you had your behavior right. It's not about getting your behavior right so you can get his affection. No, no, the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died. And on the cross, a lot of people are like, oh no, I believe Jesus, I believe the cross. Okay, well, if you believe the cross, here's what it means. It means you believe two things. You look at it and you say, wow, Jesus had to die for me. I was that bad. But you also look at it and you say, well, wait, Jesus was glad to die for me? He's that good? See, the gospel is knowing. One of my favorite preachers says this. The gospel is knowing I'm more sinful than I ever thought. But at the same time, I'm more loved than I ever hoped. And it's only when you understand both of those things does the love of God really start to affect and change your heart. You are loved by God, no conditions. And I'm not saying, please hear this, I'm not saying this as a pastor. I'm really not. I'm saying this as a Christian. If I stopped preaching tomorrow, I would still tell people the same exact thing. Because around 17, 18 years old, I really started to know the love of Jesus, and I've never been the same. I started to admit that I needed a Savior, and the love of God just completely changed my heart. And the more I realized that love, the more that the behavior's not even, the behavior's the afterthought. It's the heart that he gets to. I used to care what people thought about me so much. But then you see Jesus and you know his love and well, he kind of is changing my heart towards that. I used to trust in myself much more than I trusted God, but he's changing my heart towards that. I used to want to repay evil for evil more than I do right now, but God is changing my heart towards that. I've really encountered the love of Jesus and I feel like my whole goal in life and everybody's goal in life is to just let other people know how much God loves them. So I don't know where you are, but you ready? If you're mad at him, guess what? He loves you. If you're skeptical about him, guess what? He's a big God. He can handle all your questions. You can wrestle with him and all through the process, he loves you. If you're cynical towards him, he loves you. If you've turned your back towards him, he loves you. If you've cursed him, he loves you. If you've done things that you would be so ashamed of that he knows, guess what? He already knows and he loves you. You've got to know that Jesus had to die for me, but Jesus was glad to die for me. Not because he wanted my behavior, he wanted my heart. And guess what? You already had his. He loves you so much. And so today, if it's your first time, I just, I want to invite you back to our series that we're in. Because I'm diving deep into this. Me and my mother-in-law is actually here right now. Um, woo! Uh, and my father-in-law, he'll be mad at me that I didn't shout him out. We are talking about how it's, you can't really preach Romans 7 without also talking about Romans 8. And tomorrow, I mean not tomorrow, uh, next week, I'm going to talk about Romans 7 and 8 together. But here's the bottom line. When you know the love of Jesus, man, it gets to your heart. And that means a couple things. It means you, when you're really saved, you fail differently and you succeed differently. Because you stop finding so much high or low in your work. It's no longer about your work. Your life is defined by His. So whenever you fail, it should look something like this. Lord, I'm sorry, I screwed up again. Please forgive me. But you know what, God? I know that me and you being on good terms never had to do with my behavior in the first place. And me and you staying on good terms isn't gonna have to be on my behavior. So thank you for your love. And when you learn 
he loves you and he loves you and he loves you and you constantly throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus, it is where your heart gets softened so you're not just focused on the external but the internal is changing and so are you with it. See, I need to get off the stage. Jay's like, 12 minutes. But being saved, I'll shut my computer. I'm not using it anyway. Being saved is not about looking at your actions. Being saved is about looking at His. Everything is, this, is defined by His actions. And you gotta rest in that. God loves you more than you could ever know. He loves you just as He finds you. But He also loves you too much to keep you there. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.